Hello, my friends, and welcome into another edition of the JMAC Podcast. I hope you're doing well, and I also hope you'll take a minute and click on that follow button. We've been getting more and more likes on our videos and comments, and I love that. I love your feedback. But the name of the game when you're streaming is follows. So please click that follow button and that way you'll be notified anytime that we release a new video and anytime we talk about important issues. And today I want to talk about a very important issue uh, for you parents out there. And the issue is pornography and whether or not your children have seen pornography and whether or not you have done enough to make sure that this doesn't happen and share with you some philosophies and ideas with you uh, on what you can possibly do if they have seen it. Now, I'm not sure how many of you are aware, but back when I was on KSL, my co-hosts and I, we would go around the state and we would give presentations to parents about keeping children safe online. And much of what we taught and much of what we shared back then still applies today. And I'm going to share some of those thoughts and ideas with you today. But we'll start off with just some statistics, a recent story that I saw that shows you how rampant and how prevalent this problem is. This is from uh, the Deseret News. Study finds 50% of adolescents have been exposed to pornography. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought that the number would be higher. My bet is that it is higher because this is based upon surveys of kids. And so I'm going to guess the number is higher. Uh, this study uh, conducted by the University of Georgia found that 50% of adolescents have been exposed to pornography and that one in 10 teens have sexted sent a text message with sexual content in it. The report published by the Professional School of Counseling found that about 50% of adolescents said they had been exposed to pornography. Um, the study questioned 350 students between the ages of 12 and 17 and found that at about 1 in 10 youths feel pressured to send sex messages and that 15% of teens had already sent a sext to someone. Now, Amanda Giordano, lead author of the study and professor at Georgia, said that due to the high number of teens dealing with this issue, new practices are needed to address the problem. She said the prevalence rates we found in this study suggest that school counselors must be prepared to talk about sexting and pornography use with students to change the narrative about these behaviors. I, I have to tell you, I have um, mixed feelings here about putting this responsibility in the hands of school counselors um, because school counselors are there for limited purposes, and they're already overwhelmed. I know this uh, because uh, my wife worked in a counseling office for several years, and it's already hard enough to get the kids their schedules and, uh, you know, help guide them through or navigate through the educational process, but then to be their counselor for, you know, suicide, for sexting, for all of those things. I just, I just don't know how they can do it. And, and I, I kind of feel uncomfortable asking them to do that 
And, and I, am I wrong? Uh, let me know in, in the comments, is this the proper place and role for these conversations to be had? I will tell you my preference is that it happens between the parent and the child. But the argument that we always get into is, well, the parent's not going to do it, so somebody's got to do it. And so who's going to do it? Who's the best person? Well, the school counselor. So we'll put one more thing on their plate. So again, I struggle with this. Um, earlier this year, the Wall Street Journal col columnist Julie Jargon wrote that many researchers believe young people are more vulnerable to compulsive porn use, which can lead to unrealistic views on sex. Pornography has been linked to a range of negative outcomes among children and adolescents, she says. And pornography is a terrible sex education teacher for kids. However, for children who haven't had conversations about healthy sexuality, they might not have to do anything to, they might not have anything to compare it to, she said. Um, so here now we're talking about the talk, right, with the kids. Now, I will tell you, um, at least to my recollection, there was no, there was no talk with my parents. I, I don't remember, and I would think I would remember any discussion with my parents about the birds and the bees. I would, I would think that that would still be, uh, present in my mind. But I don't, I don't remember anything. In fact, the first time I saw anything that even made me think about it was I found a, a Playboy magazine in a field. Now, I'm going to bet if we did a survey of people my age that most of them, the first pornography they ever saw was in a field somewhere. I, I, I don't know why that is. I'm guessing it's because some kid in their house uh, found one of dad's magazines and they took it out in the field to look at it and they left it in the field and that's where I found it. But yes, my sex education was, uh, was, was blown wide open in a field and had no discussions about any of that stuff. And uh, it, it's something very vivid in my mind even to this day, which is why I think that I would remember having this discussion. I will tell you, um, also, uh, I was serving in a church capacity where I was working with kids. I think they were in the 10 to 12 range, and we were going up a canyon to go camping. And one of these young men said, oh, no. And I'm like, what? He seemed really concerned. He says, I remember this place. And I'm like, okay, did you have a bad experience up here? And he says, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I should be worried. Maybe we should turn around and head back home. And he said, this is where my dad gave me the talk. And I'm like, the talk? What are you talking about? He's like, you know, the talk. And finally it occurred to me what he had said. And so this was a, this was a responsible parent took his son on a drive, uh, some time together, and to teach his child about the talk, the birds and the bees. And I thought, you know, it's, it's good to hear of a parent uh, doing that because it's not, 
it's not easy. I mean, I've had four kids and I'll be totally honest with you. Uh, my wife handled most, most of this. Uh, but a lot of times we were in, we, you know, it was, it was a handoff, you know, we like, she would, she would tap me in and then I would go and then, uh, and then I would, you know, like wrestling and then she would get in the ring and she would explain and we would kind of go back and forth. Um, but I knew from experience talking to the friends around me that these conversations were not happening with children. And most of what I learned, I learned from other children. And that's just the worst possible way to do it. So my sex education came from what other kids told me and a magazine in a field. I mean, I mean, could there just be a worse situation? So there's got to be a better situation, but is that school counselors? I don't know. Um, the story goes on to say pornography use has been linked to lower relationship satisfaction in over 80 studies and has been linked to poor uh, cognitive decline and mental emotional health decline. This is according to Deseret News. Adults need to keep up with technology and current trends so that we're not just giving youth access to smartphones and hoping they make wise decisions. We need to prepare them for potential risks. This is where I think uh, we fall down, parents. And it is that we, I mean, here's the thing. When I was a kid, and I'm sure when you were a kid, if you wanted to go looking for pornography, you couldn't find it. Where would I go? There'd be nowhere to find it. There would only be one place it was available. That was in the convenience store. It was behind, uh, you know, something that covered, you know, everything but but just the name of the magazine. And so there was really nowhere for me to find it. It's a totally different world now. Kids don't have to go looking for it. It finds them. And we have to know that as a parent. Uh, my first experience as a parent and a child with pornography was uh, one of my children was in a science class or something, and she did a, a search for something. Uh, I think it was some part of anatomy. And all of a sudden, boom, just like me in the field, whole new world opens up, right? And when that happens, uh, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't prepared my child for that moment. And because I hadn't prepared her, then she became more curious and looked at more and more and more. And eventually admitted to us, when catcher, she eventually admitted to us that she had been uh, caught up in this and how grateful I am that I have a daughter that is willing to be that honest. And then, then we were able to deal with that. But since then, I've realized, parents, there's a lot of things we can do. And when we put a computer in somebody's hands, when we put a mobile phone in somebody's hands, when we put anything in somebody's hands where they have unfettered access to the internet, Ooh, that is uh, like handing them the keys to a car, but never telling them how to drive. It can be that dangerous. I saw a story the other day about how uh, 
people, uh, young girls are being lured into very dangerous situations because somebody will uh, catfish them. They'll pretend to be another younger person and they become friends. And eventually the person doing the catfishing will get the girl to send an inappropriate message and or picture. And then once the person doing the catfishing has that picture, he then uses it to blackmail the girl to do whatever he wants the girl to do. I mean, think about how dangerous that is. There are young girls who will go and meet these strangers because they don't want their picture spread to all of their friends and family. So when I talk about the dangers of sexting, the dangers of pornography, it's not hyperbole. It's not, I'm not, um, I, I, I'm not embellishing on that at all. I mean, this is, this is a major consideration, but I do have some core philosophies about this. I'm not going to be able to cover them all in this podcast, but if you look on my website, you will see I put together an entire course on raising children, and there is an entire uh, chapter dedicated to raising your kid in a, in a digital age, and I hope that you will check that out. But I'll tell you some of, some of the, the core things that I believe. The first is I believe that your kids are going to see pornography no matter what you do. And I know you probably hate to hear that, but I believe in today's world, unless you're living in a community where there is no technology, then your child will see pornography. And there are things you can do to limit the possibility that they will see it, but I promise you they will see it. Uh, they have friends. I mean, you, I've seen parents say, I never give my kid a phone. Why do they need a phone? You know, I'm going to wait until they're an adult and then they can get their own phone. And I'm like, okay, fine. But do they have friends with phones? Yeah, they do. Do they go over to other friends' houses and have sleepovers and, uh, and spend time at those friends' houses and those friends have have internet connections through computers and phones? Yeah, they do. Parents, it's going to happen. I know you hate it. I, I wish I could tell you something different, but it's going to happen. They're going to see pornography. And so the, the question, I think question number one is how can we limit that exposure? But I think question number two is perhaps the more important question, and that is, what are we going to do when they see it? And are they prepared for it when they see it? And I think that this is, this is what I have seen to be the most effective. And that is that uh, you teach your children when you give them their phone that uh, there are certain types of images that if they see them, that they need to come and tell you about them. I've seen parents say, teach them, uh, if you see images like that, immediately turn off the computer and come and get me. No, 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 don't do that. Uh, tell them uh, they can turn off the screen and come and get you or just come and get you. Just stop what you're doing and come and get, come and get me. And the reason why you don't want to turn off the computer or, or shut things down is because 
you want to know how the child got there so that you can follow the breadcrumbs and figure out what they did because then you can educate them and then you can also put different safeguards on uh, to help it never happen. You can block websites and, and things like that. So I, I feel the most important thing is to assume they're going to see it and teach them what to do when it happens and to tell them not to be ashamed that it happened and that they can come to you and you will help them because there's this cycle. And I'm sure there's a psychological term for it or something where a child will see it. They're not prepared for it, but they're very curious and who wouldn't be. And so they keep seeking it, not telling you, but they, and they, so they just keep, it just gets worse and worse and worse. So if you're not part of that and you haven't trained them ahead of time, again, I, I keep going back to the analogy of driving a car. You teach them what happens when you see a stop sign. You teach them what happens at a stoplight. You teach them what happens in the snow if the car starts to get out of control. I hope you teach them all of those things. Um, it's the same with a phone and, and pornography. So for me, the absolute most important thing is assume they're going to see it, talk to them about it, tell them what to do when they see it, and not to be ashamed and that they can tell you about it and that they should tell you about it. And the last thing I would say is that let them know that they're not a bad person if they did see it that this is part of the world that we live in and how should you deal with it? So to me, that's most important above all other things. The other, the other thing, parents, that I would tell you is that there are parental controls now built into everything. Are they foolproof? No, they're not foolproof. And as I said, you can put every parental control on your devices in your home but then they get over to their friend's house and their parents haven't do it, done anything. And so it only goes so far. But my philosophy has always been, I'm going to at least control what can happen in my house, in my sphere. And the way that you can do that is know that every single product manufacturer has built in parental controls. You just have to find them and learn how to use them. And that's not hard. And there's no excuses, parents. I'm not going to give you a break here. If your child has an iPhone, then type in how to implement parental controls on an iPhone. And you will find videos and step-by-step -step instructions. And, and my advice generally when it comes to a smartphone, because I see parents who who don't want to give their kids a phone until they're 18 or whatever. I, I don't believe that. I, I'm a believer in giving them a phone much earlier, and I'll explain to you why. But what we did is when we did give them a phone, the phones were always a hand-me-down, right? We never bought our kids new phones, but they're always a hand-me-down, and so they were pretty nice phones. Um, we made sure that those phones were uh, dumb phones when we gave them to our kids. So what that means is that we would go in and turn off internet access, we would turn off uh, access to certain types of music, turn off access to videos, we would set times for, for texting 
so that they couldn't text at a certain time, uh, you know, after bedtime. They couldn't text in the middle of the night, those kind of things. And so we would hand it to them as a dumb phone. And as they would earn trust, we would then uh, open up that phone to more possibilities. And when they burn trust, we would then turn the phone back into a dumb phone. This is part of the things that I talk about in my course on uh, parenting, Joyful Parents, that you can find at jmcfarland.com. So you don't have to give them access to everything, but their game system, their gaming system has parental controls. Their desktop computer has parental controls. Their, their phone has parental controls. And if you just hand them a device and you don't implement any of these safety features, it's like telling them, don't worry about wearing a seatbelt. Don't worry about signaling when you turn. Don't worry about people in your blind spot. It's just the worst possible thing that you can do. And my other issue with those parents who say, well, I'm not going to give my kids a phone until they're much older. What I don't like about that is I don't, I don't believe that it's our job as a parent to shelter our children from everything. Because when you shelter them from everything, they're not prepared when they become adults. I believe that the job of a parent is to uh, teach them about everything they will be exposed to and prepare them for that exposure. And that as a parent, you give them little, uh, little opportunities for freedom, a little bit of rope here and there. And that rope is designed so that they can experiment and have some choices and make good choices or bad choices. But it's just enough rope that they're not going to get themselves in major trouble. It gives them a chance to earn trust and build a relationship with you. But it also gives you a chance to step in and coach and guide if they weren't able to use that little bit of rope very well. And so to me, it's, I'll be honest, I think it's a dereliction of duty uh, to try and keep your child from exposure to any type of technology until they're an adult. And I can tell you that when they do finally become an adult and you haven't properly exposed them to anything, they're going to spin out of control and you will not have prepared for them for that. Um, and one other thing that I will share with you. And if you've listened to me on the radio, you've heard me tell this story before, but it's so important that I'm going to share it with you one more time. And that is, it is my belief that you should never take away a phone as punishment. And I had done this before. And so most of the things that I come to you about when I talk about parenting, they come from my own personal mistakes um, or mistakes of people that I've seen. The reason I tell you to never take the phone away from uh, a child is because that phone is a tracking device. And if something happens to your son or daughter, that phone can track where they're at, where their last movement was. Um, so if they get in trouble, take away features on the phone, make it a dumb phone, but don't take away the phone. And the reason I share this, and again, I'm sorry if you've heard this story before, but 
Um, my 17-year-old nephew, he was 17. It's been five or six years now. Um, he was up late at night and he was on his phone. And uh, his father, my brother, went into his room and saw that he was on the phone instead of going to bed like he should have been. And like any good dad, he took the phone away and he told his son to go to bed. The next morning, uh, my nephew gets up to go to school, walks out the front door and disappears and has never been heard or seen since. We have no idea where he went. We have no idea what happened to him. And he didn't have his phone. Now, he, he you know, there's a thousand scenarios. And, and I don't want my brother or anybody to beat themselves up over this. Because this is, a, this is something that most of us would have done. But if he did keep his phone even for just a little bit, Maybe we'd know what happened. Maybe we would know. You know, if you just... <sighs> so, I, I just... I would just recommend, don't take away the phone. And don't freak out if they've seen pornography. Don't, don't treat them as though they're soiled or they've done something terrible. Prepare them, educate them, coach them, be an advocate for them. If they feel like they're just going to get in trouble if they tell you about it, I guarantee you they're just going to keep going back to it. So these are some of the things that I hope can help you. Again, I go through everything step by step in my Joyful Parents course. Um, put any thoughts or comments or questions you have in the comments. Uh, please follow this channel. We talk about all of the most important pressing issues of the day. I thank you for joining me today. I thank those of you who are members of the JMAC Members Club uh, who help support this channel. You can click on the link in the description and join yourself. And with that, I hope I've given you some good information today, some food for thought. And uh, if you are raising young children, uh, bless you. <laughs> bless you. My youngest is 23 now. Um, I would just tell you that it's worth it. It's worth the journey and cherish the good times and cherish the, you know, all of those things. Like I just, I can't tell you how much I miss going to sporting events that my children were part of. Just that one thing. I just long for it. Um, for the longest time, I wanted to be an empty nester. And then as we got to that age, I started to dig my feet in and say, no, I, you know, they reach an age where you just love being around them and you just love participating in their lives. Um, don't let these kind of things get in the way of that. The more proactive and less reactive you are, the better chance you have of having a great relationship with your child. And with that, I thank you and I hope you have a wonderful day.